0: morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fregan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, com, and on the NSN app. And welcome back from Pesach vacation. And, you know, we, uh, we go away a little bit. Uh, it's good to get out there, enjoy the country. And uh, Jews are migrating all over the place uh, for Pesach, the exodus from New York, um, whether you stayed home or whether you went elsewhere, Hope you had an enjoyable time, and we're back. We're back in the middle of the political firmament, but first and foremost, we must uh, remember today is Yom HaShoah, and it is the day, of course, that Israel officially has designated to remember the Holocaust. People kind of wonder, you know, there are all these different Holocaust Remembrance Day, International Day. There's the, uh, you know, there's obviously, uh, Sarbatavis was designated by the Rabbanut as Yom HaShoah, as Holocaust Remembrance Day. There is, of course, the Israel official day, which marks the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. So it's Yom HaShoah, the Hagvura, and you know everybody has their own take. And I don't think we can remember the horrors of the Holocaust enough. And as uh, survivors continue to pass away, uh I think you know at a rate of well, maybe uh, dozens, if not hundreds, per day. Um, we continue to lose people who had firsthand accounts and knowledge and we have also survivors out there in Ukraine who are uh witnessing once again you know the horrors of war of a land war and you know here we have a land war going on the first war in Europe since World War II it's particularly poignant that we should think about it uh, today as it's going on and the Russians uh, obviously not to be likened to the Nazis, as it is, but there is a tremendous brutality going on um, in this war, as we've seen, and some shocking, really shocking attacks on civilians, which are really uh, just unfortunately think about in 2022 that this is going on. I don't really see the off ramp happening right now. You know, where we get to a situation where that the Russians have their face-saving or how much of Ukraine do they settle for, if you will. But it's, again, 2022, and think about, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, the perspective, I, I will tell you the extreme left and the extreme right here, and we haven't really talked about it on the show, but the thoughts are that, from my perspective, the extreme left and the extreme right have this affinity in some strange way for Putin and for Russia. Um, Maybe it's a certain amount of anti Americanism on the left. And so Putin is, you know, has the counterweight to anti American. And we had some interesting characters on the left. I want to address that in a second. Interesting characters out there uh, supporting Putin. But also on the right, obviously, Tucker Carlson and others, you know, have this. um, J.D. Vance comes to mind, uh, who says, "Well, we, you know, we don't have anything to do with Ukraine. We shouldn't care. It shouldn't matter." But Tucker Carlson's really been the one who's out there being played on Russian TV, and been kind of a voice in a way for the kind of the Kremlin point of view on this. Uh, but you know, we have some interesting characters, probably some who want to get attention and you know never really had much. Going on, like New York City Councilman Christian Richardson Jordan, she's kind of stayed quiet since the end of February when she initially had this bombshell quote, really kind of talking about, uh, I, well, quote on Twitter. I mean, a series of tweets. Uh, I mean, and this, you know, kind of lays the groundwork for the hypocrisy of the left uh, in many ways. Uh, I'll just, you know, a couple out there. Christian Richardson Jordan, a Democratic socialist from Harlem. Uh, the U.S. has been sending the Ukrainian military weapons, six hundred fifty million dollars in military assistance in the past year alone, which have ended up in the hands of neo-Nazi militias like the Azov Battalion. Of course, the Nazi thing—that's a Russian theme. That the, it's a Nazi regime in Ukraine, and of course, the Russians remember very well that the, the, what ha, what the Nazis did. Um, but it's it's really uh, wow. <laughs> it's amazing that somebody, that a U.S. politician would succumb to that of course we know that president zelensky is jewish um next tweet the ethnically russian dumbass region has been under heavy violence and shellings from the ukrainian military for the last eight years last week kindergarten was destroyed civilians are being targeted and killed for opposing fascism okay so here we have the fascist communists you know socialists unite and the socialists uh, here in america are uniting with the socialists over in russia but these are, again, our Russian talking points and misinformation. Next tweet, over 14,000 people have died and as a result in Kiev, the U.S. and NATO backing have refused to implement the Minsk Agreement which calls for a ceasefire. This is the tip of the iceberg. U.S. and NATO have a violent history destabilizing the region, which as when it facilitated the break of Yugoslavia after bombing Serbia over 78 days, ignoring and in the U.S. role in the crisis, ahistorical and chauvinist. Okay, so let's... Go back little history lesson for you, Councilwoman, that Serbia, well-documented, engaged in a genocidal campaign to rid many of its areas of both Croatians and Bosnian Muslims um, and even in other countries, meaning not just in Serbia. Uh, it's just shocking that somebody could be so ignorant of history of what happened in the former Yugoslavia, and somehow the US and NATO were responsible for that, according to her reading of history. But the warped reading of history, of course, extends, as usual, to uh, to the Jews in some way, and let me explain to you why. So the left has this idea – well, I, let me just say the bipartisan uh, effort to sanction Russia, it was really out there in and one of the rare – areas of agreement between Democrats and Republicans in Washington is that there was a bipartisan uh, approach to Russian sanctions. Everybody wanted to sanction Russia. Who didn't want to sanction Russia in the Congress? Well, it was the squad. And, you know, they hid behind this idea that sanctions don't work. We shouldn't sanction anybody. We shouldn't, uh, you know, so we had uh, Cori Bush, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. They didn't want to provide Ukraine with aid, even AOC, she deleted the tweet, but she said that we should not have sanctions so they would hurt the Ukrainian people. That was, of course, something that was then put on Russian TV as well. And then you have a tweet from Ilhan Omar back in March. I don't support Broadway sanctions on any country. They are economic warfare and we should all oppose them like we oppose military actions. Also, as humans who are interconnected to other humans globally, we will directly or indirectly be impacted by it. Hmm. Okay. Well, if you were consistent about that and you believed that sanctions were no good, then what about your support for BDS? What about your support for sanctioning Israel? What about it could it be that Israel commits crimes that are so much more ghastly than what we know that the Russians have been doing in Ukraine? Not possible. Could be that Israel was a more repressive society than Russia? Well, that's not Accurate either. So what is it, Congresswoman Omar? What is it, Congresswoman Talib? Is it just rank anti-Semitism that you single out once again Israel as the only country deserving of sanctions? And let's remind ourselves once again that the BDS movement not only singles out Israel amongst all the countries of the world, but also is in favor of the elimination of Israel as a Jewish state and the elimination of Israel entirely. Yes. One state solution, no two state solution. So once again, we must remind ourselves, and you know, this is obviously very important for us to think about the continued, continued singling out, scapegoating of Israel as a singular evil, if you will, from the left's perspective. And this applies to the intellectual left. this applies to those who engage in academic boycotts. those who on the college campuses are leaders of tomorrow who continue to push uh uh boycotts and divestments and sanctions of israel. to those in campuses like uh, uh, that had protests. On Pesach of by Students for Justice in Palestine that were that went to protest outside Hillel's during Pesach meals. Uh, it's you know this is not just about this is not just about a commitment to the human rights of. Palestinians this is about targeting Jews and targeting Israel and it is uh just last week a pro Palestinian group at NYU law school and these are of course you know the best of the brightest one of the top law schools in the country right they talked about the this is the um pro Palestinian group's SJP law school talked about uh, following an attack in Tel Aviv on April 7th, we know this terrorist attack that happened, the NYU Law School students for and Palestine accused Israel of being an apartheid regime and said the violence by Palestinian government was a direct result of the Israeli occupation. And then they said the Zionist grip on the media is omnipresent. So, of course, that justifies the idea that you should be able to kill Israeli civilians in Tel Aviv by... no crime. they sent this email... And they said Zionism does, in fact, internationally and strategically use U.S. and Western media as propaganda. This is where we start talking about the idea that Judaism and Jews are part of this conspiracy. Both, you know, in Israel. It's not about Israel. It's also about Jews here in the U.S., and we have to continue to wake up about that. Uh, I say this, you know, as usual on Yom HaShoah, we have to talk about anti-Semitism and, you know, how it goes and how the Jews continue to be scapegoated in many different quarters. Uh, Look no further than the ADL that released its report on annual anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic incidents, and we are at an all-time high. And it's shocking and it is awful. We see it every day of Jews being targeted even for petty assaults in the streets of New York and elsewhere. Not just the big shootings that we've shockingly seen as well. Okay, I'd be remiss if I didn't address the big political bombshell that probably most people out there are just not thinking about. They're just not – You know, appreciating the earthquake, the political earthquake that occurred yesterday, the New York State Court of Appeals, the highest court in the state of New York. We start in New York as the Supreme Court. Then we go to the Appellate Division. Then we go to the Court of Appeals. Uh, So Supreme Court, as opposed to the federal level, is not the highest. It's actually the lowest. Wrong. This was a lawsuit about the New York State redistricting process. The every 10 years, we must, based on the census, go ahead and redraw maps for all offices. That includes Congress because uh, New York State lost a seat because the growth was anemic. As uh, we've mentioned before, more people are leaving New York State than uh, any other state, and we are not replenishing them uh, enough. And we lost a congressional seat now down to 26, so that has to be redrawn. And on top of that, you have to redraw a state senate and state assembly districts as well at the same time. So the process was supposed to be a, bipartisan, sorry, a nonpartisan process. It was supposed to be, and this was passed in the constitutional amendment and reaffirmed in a referendum last year. Now, but as general and true Albany tradition, despite the good government moniker that many Democrats have and think that they are bastions of good government and governance, in reality, when it comes down to it, Politicians like to serve themselves in many cases, but it is rare to the degree, I guess, that you would openly flout the will of the voters. What I mean is this, is there was a referendum on the ballot in 2021 trying to undo some of these reforms, trying to say that the legislature could draw the lines instead of this independent redistricting commission and Albany Democrats who are solely in power, one-party rule in Albany. I mean, you could bring Republicans, but they really don't have a say in this. So this is really something that needs to be laid at the feet of Democrats. And the Albany machine just wanted to have the power for themselves. And certainly, and Governor Hochul herself said this openly, that they intended to gerrymander the lines. And we've talked about this. We had the former co-chairman of the uh, Independent Redistricting Commission on several times to talk about this. I know redistricting is boring, but it's a very important piece of uh, of how of politics and power and government uh, gets done. And. Governor Hooker herself said, well, we want to draw more Democrats' congressional seats, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, they, the Independent District Commission was essentially ordered the Democrats not to participate in the process anymore and to make sure that they could not agree on a map. And therefore, the legislature, meaning the Democrats in Albany, would go ahead and substitute themselves and put themselves in the uh, driver's seat to make the maps. So what happened? Well, immediately they created maps that were so egregious and so brazen that would be that you would have 22 Democrat, solid Democrat seats in Congress, and you would have t- only four Republicans. Currently, it's 19 to 8. And, you know, remember, as unpopular – I mean, New York State right now is probably about a 60-40 state. Um, yes, Republicans are not by any means uh, a majority. In fact, they've lost a tremendous amount of enrollment. A lot of people have moved. I mean, it, there's no question New York is a democratic state. The question is, is it a 80% democratic state? And is it a 75% democratic state? The answer to that is obviously no, it is not. Uh, no question about it that there are many ed- – but the Democrats' seem intent the on disenfranchising many voters – in New York, not just when it came to congressional seats, but they were intent on disenfranchising them when it came to state Senate seats as well. Nothing more egregious than what they did here in my local area uh, here by taking the five towns area, heavily Orthodox area, and taking it out of a Nassau County state Senate seat and putting it into a New York City a uh, majority African-American sentencing to essentially ensure that most of the voters or that many of the voters would really not have a voice in uh, their state with their state senator because he essentially would not care about their needs. Uh, I don't want to name names, anybody in particular, but if you know, you know who I'm talking about and you know that this uh, far, far left progressive politician would not be in sync with the values and the political interests of his constituents. And for some reason, this was not considered by the Democrats. This was considered to be a normal course of business, not a... Political gerrymander. Now, remember that word. Political gerrymander was specifically put into the New York State Constitution as being illegal. You may not do it. It is impermissible. You may not draw the lines based on politics alone. So how do you justify taking a piece of Nassau County and putting it into Queens County, into an urban majority, minority district? You really can't. It's very difficult to justify Such a thing. How do you justify taking a district of Staten Island, the Nicole Mountain, on the on the congressional level, snaking it into an obscenely uh, obscene uh, contortion of a cartoon to uh, snake it up the Brooklyn coastline, if you will, and then come around into Park Slope, so as to essentially. Only have uh, Park Slope far uh, left progressives in that district in order to ensure that a Democrat would win that district was historically the most conservative district in New York City, one that has been represented by Republicans and Democrats over the past uh, couple of decades, but has been managed to elect Republicans. In o- only if you're interested in entirely entirely making sure that Republicans cannot win, of course. They in Brooklyn. I mean, there would be enough Orthodox Jews to have a representative in the Congress Uh, if you unite the communities of Borough Park, Flatbush, Gravesend, Midwood. I mean, there's there are enough Orthodox Jews there to create allow representation for our community. But of course, that was never a thought uh, on the part of Albany uh, mandarins, Albany bigwigs, those that want to go ahead and uh, create. These far left districts for themselves, because, of course, our community has not been in sync with the progressive agenda. So what happened? Uh, a group of disgruntled voters sued in upstate Stuben County. Uh, in Bath, New York, if you haven't been there, it's a beautiful part of the state. It's uh, just uh, northwest of Corning on the way to Rochester. Letchworth State Park up there, the Grand Canyon of the East, absolutely gorgeous place to visit over the summer if you happen to be driving to Niagara or Toronto. Well, I digress. I will just say uh, they put it in front of a judge, and the judge ruled that these lines were unconstitutional, that they violated New York state law. And shockingly, of course, the Unshockingly, I should say, Albany Democrats—they were not nervous. They felt, eh, no problem. We will get the—we will get relief because there are Democratic judges in the uh, Appellate Division. There are Democratic judges in the Court of Appeals. Seven—all of the the judges of the Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York State, were appointed by Democrats. Yet, yet, what happened? They lost in the Appellate Division, uh, mostly. And, and in addition to that, they lost, meaning the Democrats lost in the court of appeals yesterday. Now to say that this was a shock that was around the country is an understatement. Uh, This was something that nobody expected so much so that this was national news. Why? Because this could mean the difference between, uh, the Republicans losing four c sea- four seats here in New York, meaning halved. They lose four out of the eight seats they currently have in New York, and maybe only losing one or two seats, of course, because of the redistricting process, or maybe holding their own based on the political environment, which heavily favors Republicans out there. This, uh, but in addition to that specific, the Court of Appeals essentially, not essentially. The Court of Appeals took the redistricting process out of the hands of the legislature entirely. They gave it to the original judge, to the uh, State Supreme Court Justice McAllister up in uh, upstate Steuben County, and he appointed a special master already. He gave the legislature an opportunity to redraw the lines themselves. They decided they didn't want to do it. The Democrats were so confident. The Democrats in Albany were so confident that they would be able – They they would have uh, they would win at the court of appeals level that they didn't even bother to create their own maps, which they could have done over the last couple of weeks while this case was making its way through the court system. So now it is entirely out of their hands. They can no longer draw lines. They can submit the lines to the special master the same way, but there is really no chance that some of the more egregious uh gerrymanders will come about. Uh. It's funny because Jerry Nadler, of course, of the Upper West Side and Borough Park had this ridiculous district that was, you know, now a gerrymander used to be uh, with a G, now it's with a J, and that district had this incredibly, uh, again, once again, contorted map that went from the Upper West Side through downtown Manhattan into Borough Park to and Bensonhurst to make sure that the Jews, that the more conservative Jews of the orthodox community would be lumped together with the liberal Jews of the upper west side thereby once again diluting the political power of the orthodox community now we have to think of ourselves look at to ourselves as a community and think about the fact that once again once again from uh, the democrats the democratic party has chosen as part as a as a strategy to completely disenfranchise our community and they hide behind a number of strategies in order to do that number one they say that well the jews the orthodox jews are too conservative and uh they have the strategy that well well yo know, jews jews everywhere are exactly the same and so therefore if it's a jewish district they have a what's called this community of interest you have jews here and jews there and they're pretty much they they pretty much uh, are exactly the same which of course is not necessarily the way you lump together every single ethnic group um but they uh, at the same time they also say that the Jews are not an ethnic or disadvantaged minority and they have federal law and the Voting Rights Act to hide behind. In fact, one of the more interesting pieces of the legal lawsuit that I heard, I actually happened to be watching the testimony and the the attorney for the Democrats was actually questioning the... Uh, expert witness for the republicans and they were talking about curious joel which was also split the uh, uh curious joel town of palm tree and the environs also have a number of uh large Hasidic community they were split uh amongst two different state senate districts and it was shown actually and to and two congressional districts so it was sh- and the lawyer said well well sir expert how do you know that these people are jewish and he's like, well, because we know where they, we know that they're Jewish. I mean, it's a, but it doesn't say on the census form, sir, that there are they're Jews. And how do you know they're Orthodox? It, it's the idea somehow that a lawyer with a straight face could ask a witness. He said, so how do you know? He says, there's no question of the census form that anybody's Jewish or that whether they're Orthodox or not. So you can't possibly know who they are. Um, somebody with a straight face can actually say in, in New York State in 2000. Twenty-two. That we don't actually, we can't actually protect the interests of the Orthodox community because we don't actually know who is who who is Jewish. uh, Really flies in the face of of any decency. Let's put it that way. Um, It's a concerted effort. If you have, if you don't realize what's going on, how much the power of the Orthodox community in Brooklyn, in particular, has been neutered by Democrats, it's time to wake up to some of the intricacies of politics. And unfortunately, many or several of the Jewish organizations kind of go along with this because they've been beaten down and they've been told, well, we're not going to do it. We can't do it because Voting Rights Act, we have to protect minority rights, we don't have to protect the Jews. The biggest growing community, the fastest growing community throughout the state are in Orthodox communities, whether it's in Ramapo, whether it's in Kiryas Joel, as we said, whether it's a five towns area of of uh, or in Brooklyn which is actually actually explosive growth in as we all know in Borough Park and Williamsburg and Flatbush and these rights should be respected not tried to be countered well look we have the maps we will be drawn the primary will likely be moved for state senate and congressional lines to August from June a lot needs to be sorted out but to say uh, that this was somehow was expected, I would say this was unexpected, is a colossal understatement. The idea that Democrats would not get their way with one party rule in Albany is was preposterous. They've always been able to act with impunity, uh, as we've seen with regard to these bail laws, where they just have totally undone and 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 made the. Our justice system entirely ineffective, uh, the spending, it's incredible what has been going on in our state over the last couple years. And uh, we will see, hopefully there will be a reckoning in 2022. Uh, We will see, and hopefully it starts here. It starts with a balancing of the courts doing the right thing and throwing out these illegal lines and throwing out the, the, um, the more egregious... Uh, acts of one-party rule when there is no balance of power, where there's nobody to counter, it seems that politicians will just act with absolute impunity and totally ignore and serve their own interests and ignore the interests of the voters. And let me leave you with this thought. It is almost as if the Democrats kind of admitted that they themselves were – uh uh, they themselves, they knew that they, what they did was, you know, possibly d- did not follow the New York state constitution, but one of their arguments essentially was, and you see it in the decision, was, well, it's too late. There's nothing, not much we can do about it because the primary is already in June and there's nothing to do. So we should just go forward with the lines as they are, even though they're wrong. And the court, fortunately, uh, summarily dismissed that argument, which I think of course is, you know, is a sad argument to make is, well, we know it's wrong. It might be illegal. We might've done it the wrong way, but you know what? It's too late. We kind of just have to run out the clock on this because, you know, let's just do something that'll last for 10 years, even though we know that it's wrong. What a way to run a government. It's 2022. This matters. Your voice matters. Uh, and we must, must, we must be more engaged in the political process to understand what is going on here in our state, in our city, elsewhere. Uh, Politics never stops. And the old adage is once again, true. If you don't have a seat at the table, you are on the menu. We must go ahead and fight more, more for that. And we see once again, I encourage you to be engaged on the yeshiva issue that once again, the New York state is trying to restrict and and intervene in yeshiva education it's not just for certain schools they are trying to do with everybody you should pay attention and see what is going on once again a result of one party rule in albany that's it for this week here on spin class here on the knock up network stay tuned for doing the city speaks Allison josephs